So bewitched fools. Our second point will be a public portrayal of Christ crucified. And our third point is the Galatian conversion. Bewitched fools, the public portrayal of Christ crucified, and the Galatian conversion. Our first point, bewitched fools. Just And I try to read it with this tone that you, it seems Paul is giving. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? This is very important when you read scripture, is to get the tone of the text. When you're alone, you're reading your Bible, it's very important not to just read it like any other text. Paul, a man, is writing to people, and you can understand, you want to put yourself in this setting. Imagine Paul writing this letter. The harshness, the severity, and all of it coming from this love of wanting them to repent, to come back. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Only two other times does Paul directly appeal to the audience in the letter, naming them by name. And only here does he begin with the word, oh. Oh, foolish Galatians. You can imagine Paul throwing his hands up in the air. It screams to us, concern and tension. In our today's language, you probably wouldn't say, oh, foolish. You'd probably say, stupid, senseless, you idiot. You can imagine Paul writing a letter saying, why are you being so dumb, brothers? Here, Paul is trying to get their attention. Who has bewitched you? The idea of this bewitching, the cause of their foolishness, it's the imagery of a, of a spell being cast. This bewitching, it's a, they've, been, they've come under a spell and that now they're acting foolish. Who has bewitched you? We've kind of already addressed this throughout the letter. It's these who we call Judaizers. These men who have come into the church of Galatia. They have spoken to them saying, yes, Jesus Christ is good. He did die on cross for sins. But adding on to this good news, the gospel, you also need to be circumcised. If you really want to be part of God's family, look at the Old Testament. They were circumcised. Abraham was circumcised along with all the Jewish people. Now you Christians... Even though you're Gentiles, you're not Jewish, because you believe in Jesus, if you really want to be part of the family of God, you need to be circumcised. To get the full benefits, the full salvation, you need to add circumcision. These are the ones who are bewitching the church, churches. These false teachers have left them vulnerable and questioning what the gospel is. But we know this bewitching is not just a product of these men. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I'm afraid, as a serpent deceived Eve, Eve, by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 1 Peter 5, a, a little bit more popular. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour Beloved, these churches saw faces, but we know they are not wrestling with flesh and blood. This battle is a spiritual battle. Our sins, disunity in the church, marriages, parenting, these are spiritual battles, not physical ones. 
I love Dave's point earlier this morning, on Sunday morning, he says, he's talking to uh, our senior saints, doing kingdom work. Maybe you feel like you're physically, you're not able to do as much. But beloved, kingdom work is not primarily physical work. If you think you lack the physical capabilities you're used to, do not fall for the trick of the evil one. Pick up the sword. Pick up your prayer. Go to war. And this does not apply to only our senior saints. It applies to all of us. Teachers, every sermon, every Sunday school, every Bible study, every discipleship meeting, it's spiritual warfare. Strengthen your brothers and sisters who are being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Our second point, the public portrayal of Christ crucified. Paul continues in verse 1, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Here, Paul is reminding them, remember when I came to you? Remember when I preached to you the good news? Here, Paul is saying, when I came to you and I told you the good news, it was almost as if you saw Christ himself on the cross. This is, Paul is saying, remember how vivid I told you about Christ? And he talked about the whole good news, his death, resurrection, ascension. But here he's primarily highlighting the cross. We preach Christ crucified. Here you almost hear Paul again yelling at them, why did God die, Galatia? Was it only a down payment so that you can pay the rest? Did he begin the good work? Are you now finishing it? Is the rest up to you? Why did he sweat drops of blood? Why was he betrayed? Why was he mocked? Why did they spit on him? Why was he whipped? Why did he wear the crown of thorns? Why did he die on the cross? Why did he scream, It is finished? If you know his death, Galatia, why your life? This is the point that Paul is trying to make. Remember, Christ died. He didn't just live. He died for a reason, for a purpose. Why do you live as if God didn't have to die for your sins? As if you could add something else to it. Our third point, the Galatian conversion. The Galatian conversion. Galatian, that's a tough one. Here he says, verse 2, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected, perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Here Paul is going to begin to highlight there was them receiving the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, speaking of Jesus, 
when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is somewhat what this is pretty much what Paul is saying here again to this, these churches. You heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, and you received the Holy Spirit. It was so evident in their lives to, that Paul could ask them, did you not receive the Spirit? He, he, he's, he is using this as an example because it was so evident that they had received the Spirit. He's asking them, how did you receive the Spirit? But he's not questioning, did they receive it? They knew it, and he knew it. It was obvious to everyone God was living in them. A quick question for yourself. Is it obvious that a holy God is living in you? Verse 3, Paul again says, Are you so foolish? He's not letting up. He's using the word foolish again. And he continues with his his uh, rhetorical questions. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And this is somewhat what we've been talking about a, a lot through uh, this letter, this idea of justification, being justified by faith alone. This idea of justification, it's like a, it's a courtroom word. You, you're, you're in the courtroom. There has been accusations against you. God is the judge. To be justified is God to say, innocent. And here he's saying, you are justified by faith. You are declared innocent. You are declared righteous by faith and faith alone. And he says, having begun your justification by faith, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Is this idea of sanctification. There's justification, being justified. Now we have sanctification. The idea of you're being sanctified. You're becoming more holy, more like Christ. And he's saying, are you now doing this by your own work? Did the Spirit just save you? Did you see the Spirit? He cleans you, and now you're just picking up the rest of the work? I think the question we need to start asking is, how does sanctification work with faith, with the Holy Spirit, and with our flesh? The Spirit works with us in sanctification. It's not us alone. In justification, the Spirit, God, saves us. The Spirit awakens us, applies the blood on us, and we are declared justified. And now, graciously, God is calling us to, get, to work with Him in becoming more holy. What a, a gracious thing that we get to partake in this. And the Spirit works by one power. In vain the labors build if the Lord does not raise the house. In vain we labor to try to become holy if the Spirit does not work. If the Spirit is not moving. Paul may plant, Apollos may water, but only God gives the growth. The Spirit also gives us new desires. A desire to be holy. A desire, a desire to say no to the old. And yes to Christ. The Spirit is like a light. The imagery that I've heard Pastor Dave give multiple times, uh, 
if you ever have bugs in your home, you know this. You walk in, it's, it's dark. You flip on a light, and what do they do? They scurry. It's just like sins. The Holy Spirit shines lights on our sins. The things that we want to hold on to, the things that we want to keep in the dark, the Spirit shines a light on and says, look, look, sins, get them out. Hold on to Christ, not your own desires. The Spirit shows us our sin, shows us the truth, and then shows us Christ. Secondly, the, the faith that works with the Spirit. The idea that comes to is the shield of faith, the spiritual warfare. You hold on to faith. And the, I think the imagery Paul gives in Ephesians with this is trusting in God, in his promises, in his word. So this idea of sanctification being perfected in the flesh, uh, how the Spirit is sanctifying us through faith and through our works. It's not that we are doing it on our own, but faith in God. So, for example, so sanctification, becoming more holy, fighting sin. So you say, say you have the sin of pride. What is our solution in through the scriptures? You say, pride, I'm dealing with pride. I'm going to reflect on God's nature. Look, look at Job, where he says, where were you? You are man. I am God. How could you have pride? You're made from dust. Did you do these things? Were you there? We reflect on God's nature, and then we study his word. What do you have that you did not receive? We take the word and we wrestle with it. We meditate on it. We plan it. We let the spirit work through the word. Say, I just struggle with the sin of lust. What's my solution? I reflect on God's purity, his nature. He is pure. He is holy. And then I go to his word. It is better to go to heaven lame than enter Hell with all your limbs. Gouge out your eyes. Cut off your hands. Then, well, the sin of bitterness. Solution. I reflect on God's nature. He is forgiving. I should forgive. I go to the word. If you do not forgive others, neither will your God forgive you. This is wrestling. This is our, our fight with faith. This is how we take faith. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to believe in God and his promises in his word. This is how we become more holy, the spirit, our faith. And then we, we apply effort. We work. We say no to things. We say yes to God. We use the word and we pray that the spirit would bless it. Here, we can start asking questions for ourselves. He says, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is a rebuke. Are you relying on your flesh, or are you relying on the Spirit? So, as a church, there are temptations for us to rely on our flesh and not on the Holy Spirit. This is a real situation. This is a real church. Do not think that we cannot be tempted. Hear, hear, heed God's warning. So let's ask some questions. If someone were to ask you, what makes your church special? What would you say? What makes your church special? Here's another question. Do we think of someone as walking more faithful with the Lord based on 
how they dress, how much they give, how they look. Are they funny? Think very hard. How does someone who is faithful to God look like? What do they wear? Are they married or are they single? What do their children look like? How many different areas do they serve in? For us individually, do you have to come to every service? Do you have to serve at everything? Do you feel guilty when you miss something? Do you have to? Or is it a joy that brings you? Do you have to serve? Or is it out of abundance of the joy in your heart that you serve? Do you feel guilty about missing something? Because you think, what might others think of me? What would the ideal member do? Do you feel guilty because you think God may be displeased with you or love you less because you did not show up to a Sunday morning service, a Wednesday night prayer meeting, or a church function? Are you relying on the flesh, things that you do, and how God thinks of you? Beloved, I'm not saying don't come to services. I'm not saying don't serve. I'm saying why? Are you trying to earn your way? Were you saved by the cross and now you're being perfected by these things? Are some more closer to God than others because of what they're doing? Or is it because God is working in people's lives? While it may have been circumcision for these false teachers, what are we resting in for not only our justification, but also our sanctification? Paul continues. He says, verse 4, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if, it de- if indeed it was in vain? Here this idea of this church. So when Paul went there, he preached the gospel, and like most times, Paul gets persecuted and he's ran out of town. It seems here Paul is, he knows that they too were persecuted for this gospel, which comes, seems like natural in the Bible, you believe in the gospel, you should accept, you should expect persecution. But here it seems like they're trying to take on circumcision. Why? To, to resist persecution fr- from the world. Beloved, it's a joyous thing to suffer for the name of Christ. Here, Paul, again, rhetorically asking, why did you suffer? Was it in vain? Verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so, by, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? I love this language he, he uses a couple of times here, this idea of receiving the Spirit, this idea of hearing with faith. It's very clear to Paul, you did not receive the Spirit by works. You received it was given to you it was a gift he is a gift and now this idea of we we're hearing with faith and we know that faith itself is a gift given by god ephesians 2 8 
following, trusting, believing, it's hearing. Not I heard, but I'm, I hear with faith. It's a continuous thing. You did not give your life over to God. You are giving your life over to God. You are a living sacrifice. We are continually following him. He says, follow me. Continuously. For eternity. Follow Christ. Always following, trusting, believing, receiving. Receiving from him. I love how Park Baptist does communion. It's a beautiful thing when we do the Lord's Supper. And it's purposeful how Park gives out the uh, the Lord's body and blood, the, the bread and the wine, grape juice. Um, you did not come up and get it. It is given to you. It's symbolic. The blood and the body of Christ is a gift. Your sanctification a gift. Glorification, gift. Remember the next time you take the Lord's Supper, you are receiving. And you receive with faith. Here Paul, here we're going to end as Paul gives us an example of this from the Old Testament. Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Paul is giving us an example of this. um, So if you will, turn with me to Genesis 15. Let's go all the way back. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. So just go left. 15, after 14, before 16. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Here, this is what Paul is trying to bring to mind the um, people in Galatia. These people who are Gentiles who Jewish false teachers are coming and saying, you need to accept circumcision, which was originated in Abraham. Paul is then going to say, well, if we want to talk about Abraham, let's go to Abraham. You, you want to bring up Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation? How is he counted as righteous? Before or after circumcision? And he quotes 15.6, and he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. Beloved, the same for Abraham is the same for us, as it was the same for the church of Galatia. We believe, and it was counted as righteousness. We are sinners before God. 
friends, if you're here and you don't know Christ, have you thought about your sin? Your wrongdoings? What will your defense be on that day when you see God? Will he count you as righteous? Christ, the creator, became the creation to die for us who are the creation. Us who are made of dust, defied the holy God. And the holy God humbled himself to the flesh and died for us. And here Paul is trying to tell us, if you want the blood of Christ to be applied, to be washed over you, so you can count as righteous, look, believe, and you're counted as righteous. How sweet, how kind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, that's new every day. We are thankful, Father, that our salvation does not come from our flesh. It does not come from our works. We are justified by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And Father, we are sanctified, though, through your Spirit, your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, help us to hear with faith. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song, hymn 175. Man of Sorrows, what a name. Hymn 175. Man of Sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior, guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was He, full atonement can it be, hallelujah, what a Savior, lifted up was He to die, it is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our 
our glorious King. All His ransom home to bring. Then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen. We're dismissed.